We begin with several funny stories, and then we go back to the Mishnayot about vows and different types of foods. So the story goes: Rabbi Avad Dehidula Rabbi Shimon Berabi Rabbi That's Rabbi made a wedding celebration for his son Rabbi Shimon. Ketav al bet genana Esrin verbal fin riboin dinarin nefaku al bet genana den Vela as menele bar kapara. Someone, obviously it was bar kapara himself, who was a, uh, a sage student, a uh, colleague of the Biudanasi, and he painted graffiti on the wedding canopy and he wrote, There are t- uh, the Biudanasi spent 24,000. Uh, times 10,000 dinar. This would be equivalent to maybe 20, 30 million dollars in today's dollars on this wedding. And yet he failed to invite Bar Kapara to the wedding. This is what he scrawled all over the wedding canopy. All right, that's a good way to get your message across uh, that you want to be invited. There are more subtle ways also. Uh, why did the be not invite Kapara? We'll be clear in a moment. You'll see Bar Kapara was somewhat of a jokester and uh, uh, sometimes caused uh, some embarrassment to the Biudanasi. Uh, anyway, after he did this, Amar le, im le obre resono, kach le ose resono alachad vechama. And Rabbar Kapara added and said to the Biudanasi himself, if God does this, for those who do his will, do his will, those who violate his will, all the more so. All right, other way around. If for those who violate his will, God gives such and such. In other words, you, Rabbi who violate God's will, and yet look how rich you are. Those who actually follow God's will, how much richer and wealthier and more reward will they get? Uh, what did Rabbi do wrong that he's called Ovredetsono? Well, I guess by not inviting Parkapara, this goes against God's will. Apparently, according to Barakapara. Anyway, Rabbi Udanasi got the point, and there was enough pressure. He said, okay, I'll just invite him. Otherwise, he's going to keep uh, spraying graffiti and sending me these threatening messages. Easier just to keep uh, keep him closer and invite him. So, so we invited him, and then Bar Kapara changed his tune and said, to those who do God's will in this world, all the more so how much good they will they get in the next world. In other words, now, uh, see the see you do God's will, and look how rich you are in this world, and you're going to get even more in the next world. So he turned, uh, he turned his, uh, uh, his curse into a blessing. Okay. Here was the problem with Bar Kapara. He was a funny guy, and he would make Rabbi Udanasi laugh. Rabbi Udanasi, very distinguished, honored person, who was very serious. I mean, he had to meet with the Romans and all that. And so usually he was in a serious mood. And Bar Kapara would come and make him laugh. The problem with that is that then calamity would come into the world. The idea is that uh, Bar Kapara... Uh, so that the Biudanasi rather, through his uh, seriousness and suffering, 
brought atonement to the world, because he represents the whole community. Whereas his levity, then we will not have that atonement, and then punishment will come to the world. So it's important that the Biudaba Nasi be very serious, kind of the equivalent today of you want a president or a general of the army not to spend a lot of time playing golf all the time, right? You want him to be serious taking his job. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the attack at Pearl Harbor incidentally happened because the general uh, who was in charge of Pearl Harbor was out playing golf, literally, and did not see the warning signs, which there were. So, okay, uh, being, uh, having levity, laughing, um, being, joking around will distract him, and that will bring calamity to the world. So that's why, He's like, all right, you know, you can come, but you better not make me laugh. And if you don't make me laugh, I'll reward you with 40 se'ah of wheat. All right? Just come and be serious. Don't make me laugh. Now, it's obvious what he's going to do. Amar le lichazi mor techol geriva de ba'ena shakilna. Bar Kapara said, don't worry about it. I agree to the, to the, to the terms and, uh, and you'll see I'm, I'll be able to take any se'ah I wish to take. In other words, as much as I wish to take, I'm going to be so serious and not make you laugh that I will win that award and get these arba'in, uh, uh, the, these 40 se'ah of, uh, of wheat. And, uh, you know, don't worry about it. Okay, so what did Bar Kapara do? Shekal di kulara ba hafyeh kufra ushafe al reshe vazal va marle lechil li mor arbain girivechite de rashena bach. So Bar Kapara took a giant basket. He's coming to collect his wheat with a giant basket and he wants to make sure he doesn't lose any and so he smears it with tar so none of the grains will fall through the, uh, the, the holes of the basket and then he brought it on his head apparently overturned like a lampshade or like a mask covering his head and he walks in with this giant basket uh, overturned on top of his head and says okay I'm ready you can measure out for me the 40 se'ah of wheat that you owe me because I didn't make you laugh when Rabbi saw this of course he laughed right because it's pretty funny um, so what was so funny? Well, uh, he has a basket overhead, so it's a bit of slapstick comedy. Um, it's also funny because the idea is he's putting a, this thing over his head like a mask so that usually to make someone laugh, you're going like, to kind of smile. So he's kind of hiding his face. He's like, look, I'm not making you laugh. I'm hiding my face. You can't even see my face, right? So this is your fault that you're laughing. I didn't even do anything. I just came with a big basket to collect my reward. I, I didn't tell a joke. I didn't even say anything. Um, okay, anyway, Rabbi does laugh. Um, Rabbi said, I told you, I warned you, don't make me laugh. Why'd you do that and make me laugh? He says, no, I'm here to take from you the wheat that I am, uh, that I am owed by you. Uh, what does he mean by that? Either that maybe he's referring to some other incident, you happen to owe me wheat from something else or he's saying sorry i didn't do anything purposely to make you laugh i'm just carrying my basket happens to be on my head happens to be a funny way but i didn't tell a joke um i didn't do anything funny i didn't even smile at you i have a face i have a cover on so therefore you owe me the wheat 
And so uh, he turned out to be right. He said, see to be, you're going to give me all the wheat that I choose. All right. Now, uh, the wedding is coming up and uh, Bar Kapara is going to come to the wedding. So Bar Kapara said to the daughter of the Biuda Nasi, and uh, he told the daughter, the daughter's daughter is already married, but is going to be at the wedding, obviously, um, because her brother is the groom. And he says, listen, tomorrow I am coming to the, 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 uh, the wedding and I'm going to uh, drink wine while your father is dancing and your mother is singing. Okay, this is very strange, right? Because I imagine that uh, Rabbi was a pretty serious person and wasn't used to dancing, and certainly his wife wasn't used to singing. Now, we're not actually going to see the singing uh, come up, uh, but rather we're going to see the, her pouring wine for Bar Kapara. So maybe this means something like pouring wine, um, but uh, Rabbi is going to dance a lot for Bar Kapara. So anyway, he's, he's predicts he has his whole plan. Now, Ben El Asa Chataned Rabbi Hava, this, there's a man named Ben El, ben El Asa. He is married to Rabbi's daughter, probably the same one that he was just talking to. And he was very rich, Rashid Gadol Hava. invited him, obviously, because he is uh, he's a son in, he's a son in law with and his daughter. Okay, so now they're all at the wedding, and let's see what happens. In the middle of the wedding, right, they're enjoying, and, um, and maybe they're saying some divre Torah, or uh, words of praise, uh, toast to the, uh, to the bride and the groom. And so, um, Bar Kapara says to the Biudanasi, what does to'eva mean? To'eva, uh, usually translated abomination, uh, described in the Torah regarding Mishkav uh, Zachur. So what does this mean? Uh, now, is this an appropriate question at a wedding? I imagine not, and everybody was kind of feeling uncomfortable. Why are you bring this up now? We're enjoying a nice wedding here. But anyway, and so the B had a lot of answers, but every answer, the explanation that he gave for the word to'eva, Bar Kapara rejected it. That's not the right answer. So the B says, you know, he's, now his curiosity is aroused. And he says, okay, Bar Kapara, you tell me what it means. So Bar Kapara said, um, let your wife come and pour uh, some wine for me, and then I'll let you, I'll tell you. She came and she poured wine for me. And now you, uh, you have to stand up and dance in front of me, and then I'll tell you. So he was so curious and wanted to learn this Torah, and so he got up and danced. And so you see, this was fulfilled, what he said the day before to his daughter, that your parents are going to dance and, well, sing. I don't know if she was singing, uh, but uh, maybe she was, uh, some say she was uh, ululating uh, during the dancing, like women do at uh in uh in in parties when uh when, when, when everybody's dancing okay as here what it means the word is a concatenation of three words you are straying after it meaning this is not the typical marriage of a man and woman but this is uh, straying from uh, deviating from the ideal uh, and so okay that's he explained he explained that now now they have another cup of wine another round of drinks my table goes to the word table 
Tebel is said regarding bestiality. This is Tebel. Uh, it means uh, perversion. So same thing happened as before. The Biudanasi said every many answers, but Bar Kapara rejected them all. And so Bar Kapara says, do what I tell you. In other words, go and dance again, and then I'll tell you. He says, Tebel, from the, word, from the language of spices, right? Is there spice in this? How is this type of uh, engagement different from other intercourse? Like, why would anyone uh, want to even commit bestiality? What, what benefit, what pleasure is there in this more than anything else? It makes no sense. There's no... Uh, there's no uh, uh, taste in it. There's no spices in it. That's what it means, tebel. Okay. Now they're on a roll. What does the word zima mean? Lewdness. Uh, for regarding uh, several uh, encounters uh, like um, zinut, someone who uh, out of wedlock is with, is with someone and perhaps as a child. Same story as before. The be presented answers and he didn't, Bar Kapara rejected them and then he says, okay, do another dance. Avad The word zima is also a concatenation of three words. This, what is it? This meaning this child that was produced from an um, illicit or extramarital uh, engagement. Well, what is this child? Who's the father? What's going on with this child? Right? Uh, it's a, what a, 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 it's a unknown. And that, that's what uh, zima produces. It's going to produce unknown uh, children without parents. Okay, after all this, Ben Elasa could not stand, could not tolerate what was going on. That's why he was introduced before, because he's at the wedding, and what a humiliating thing. We're trying to enjoy a nice, beautiful wedding, and he's bringing up all these terrible, uh, uh, all these terrible prohibitions about Arayot, right? What's going on? not appropriate for a wedding. Okay, maybe he would answer that this is appropriate for you. We want to we wanna enjoy and celebrate this beautiful wedding, right, which is permitted the, the right way, kosher wedding, right, this is the ideal, and this is contrasts with the other, uh, the other uh, relations that are prohibited in the Torah. Maybe that's why he's bringing it up to celebrate um, traditional marriage. Okay, anyway, they were fed up and they left. My Ben Elasa. Who is this guy anyway, Ben Elasa? He was so rich. What do we know about him? Detanya, lo lechinam pizer Ben Elasa et ma'otav ela ladot pehen tisporet shel kohen gadol. Oh, he used his money in order to get a haircut just like the kohen gadol got. Right? This is a very fancy haircut and very hard to do. Um, so he spent a lot of money on it. But this was a positive thing. That way he could show people what the what a haircut like this look like remember they're living already a hundred and uh uh hundred and thirty years after the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash there's no Kohanim Gedolim and people will forget what this haircut looked like so he wanted to go out of his way and get a haircut like that to show people they shall pull their heads about Kohanim uh, it's a question whether this haircut applies to all Kohanim or only Kohen Gadol. Um, anyway, here it just says Kohen Gadol. Tana Ka'en Lul Yanit. It looked like a Lul Yanit haircut. This word Lul Yanit comes from Julian, the emperor. So this was a fancy haircut that emperors and uh, important 
uh, Romans would have. And so the Kohen Gadol, he has to also look important. So he uh, had a haircut that was, uh, that was uh, be um, appropriate for his dignity. Um, and now what is this? My Lulianit Tisparta Yechidata. It's a unique haircut. All right. Hechidami. So how is it unique? Amadavad shel kohen gadol. The locket of one bunch of hair uh, goes up to the roots of the next bunch of hair, but don't overlap. Uh, it seems like it's some kind of uh, short haircut with small braids. Maybe something uh, like a, a carpet might look like. Um, uh, you could look at some pictures of uh, Emperor Julian or, or other types of fancy Roman haircuts and uh, probably looked something like that, although it's hard to tell exactly what it was. All right, uh, that's the end of the stories. And now we go back to the Mishnah. That says, musa." If someone says this cooked fee, cooked food is prohibited for me, that's only referring to soft food that you eat with an egg, uh, eat with bread rather. Uh, but if it's talking, but if it's talking about um, this type of egg or this type of gourd, these are solid foods. So we talked about the egg already. Now this gourd, what kind of gourd is it? My musa, kara. Karkuzai. It's a uh, gourd that grows in Karkuza. Um, and uh, it's very hard. It doesn't cook very well. So it doesn't get mushy. And that's why it's considered a hard food, not a tavshil. Another opinion of Asher says it's a gourd. It's not, a, it's not the species of gourd, but rather that it's insulated in embers and I guess cooked for a long time. And these hot embers, and uh, so it's actually the way it's cooked, not the type of gourd it is. Now we have a challenge to Rav Asher, who says it's not the type of gourd, but the way it's cooked. It's uh, from this Baraita. It says, First of all, the Aramean uh, gourd is the same as the Egyptian gourd. Okay. And both of these, which are the same thing, you cannot plant them together with Greek gourds because they are different species. And so that would be kilayim. And also you cannot plant it with a rimutsa uh, gourd because that would be kilayim. What do you see from here? That rimutsa is not the way it's prepared in, uh, in warm coals, uh, uh, but rather is a species. So this proves Shemuel, it's the karkuza. Uh, gourd, and that's why it's a different species altogether. You cannot plant it with the Egyptian species, species, and that is a challenge to Ravashe Tiyufta. Next Mishnah. Okay, this Mishnah actually we saw already where this Mishnah was already quoted at the beginning of the chapter. It's repeated here. So there's some kind of uh, copyist um, uh, error that the Mishnah is included twice. Um, you have to remember that in some manuscripts, the Mishnah does not appear at the beginning of the chapter. Um, but it's just the Gemara. Uh, or in other manuscripts, it's only at the beginning of the chapter, the whole Mishnah, and then the, the, uh, of each pedic. And so what happened here is that there's some combination where this Mishnah was quoted at the beginning, but there's also a quote of it at the end. We already saw um, this happen already in this pedic. Another part of the Mishnah was uh, quote, was double quoted. This one also is double quoted. 
All right, anyway, uh, well, it's, it's good to review what it, what it means. Someone says, I'm not going to have anything in a kedera. Kedera means, uh, here they translate dish, but it means a pot. Any regular pot, something that's cooked in a pot, um, is only enasur el That means just if it's boiled in a pot. Because that's usually what you do in a pot, is you boil the food. Uh, if he says, but if he said, prohibited to me is anything that enters a pot that I will not uh, taste, then he's prohibited from anything that is made in a pot in any other way. So you don't always boil things in a pot like a soup. Sometimes uh, you just um, uh, 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 roast things, uh, uh, pan roast or uh, fry or other things that you do in a pot. But the typical use of a pot is a, uh, a boil like a soup. All right, Tanya. And so now we have a new term, ilpas. Uh, this is actually an ilpas from ancient times. Um, this would be a pot that is used not mainly for cooking for the first time, but rather for recooking, uh, reheating, or uh, cooking for a long time. Like you would cook in a regular pot, and then you want it to get a little extra cook and simmer for a while. That you put in this in this type of pot. Uh, this il pas. Okay, so someone who says, "I'm not going to eat anything that goes into a regular pot." Um, uh, uh, la il pas. He cannot have anything that goes into an il pas either. Why? Because if it's in the il pas, that means you already cooked it in the regular pot and then put it in the il pas. So and hayored lekidera. That's the expansive term, right? That's konam hayored lekidera. Anything that goes in the pot, no matter how it's prepared, is going to be prohibited. And therefore, since you since it was in a pot and cooked there, even though later you put it in il pas. Uh, it's still prohibited. However, if in vow he only said, I am prohibited from anything that goes into an ilpas, then he is allowed to eat something that goes into a pot because some things you put in a pot and you never put into an ilpas. And so it would not exclude um, they, they, they would not include um, things that are just in il pas, just in a kedera that are not in il pas. Only if it went, actually went into an il pas, that would be prohibited. Mina nasa be kedera mutab nasa be il pas. Mina nasa be il pas mutab nasa be kedera. If he uses the stricter formula, not hayored, but rather maase, um, so nasa be kedera. That means a, a dish that's normally in uh, that's cooked in the normal way in a pot. Uh, meaning just boiled like a soup, then it's permitted uh, to eat something that was made in the ilpas, because that does not, you don't usually put in a pas those things. And the other way also, uh, if you say that which is made in, 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 in ilpas, then you are permitted for that which is made in a normal way in a kedera. Um, because uh, what you make in an ilpas is going to be specific that you cook it and put it in an ilpas, but most things you don't, and so then you could eat something that was just made, put in a kedera. All right. If I say anything that goes into an oven, well, what typically goes into an oven is bread. So what I mean there is bread, not other things that you might happen to put in an oven. But if he says a more expansive formula, anything that's made in an oven, then anything that he puts in the oven would be prohibited. Okay, you see this language, it looks like it should be, should be switched around. That ma'asetanur, that sounds like a 
it would be the typical way, which is bread. Whereas yored letanot, it would be anything that goes into the oven. And there are, there are in fact, th- some that switch these two clauses around. Next, Mishnah. Mina kavush en asur ela mina kavush shel yadak. Says something pickled is prohibited to me, then that only applies to vegetables, because that's the typical thing that you pickle vegetables. Kavush shani toem asur bechola kivushim. But if he says a more expansive formula, pickled food I will not eat, so then that refers to anything pickled, even if he pickles uh, uh, fish or meat, anything. Mina shaluk. Uh, shaluk means. Again, there's different definitions of, of it, but it means some kind of pot roasted, right? It's in a pot, but not boiled with a lot of water, just kind of roasted with some gravy. Uh, Typically, that means uh, pot roasted meat, and so it would only include that. But if he says shaluk shani toem, more expansive formula, any tasting of anything that's pot roasted, that would prohibit anything that is pot roasted in that way. Gemara, Amar le Rav Achab red Rav Aviad Rav Asher. Amar dichvish mai, dishlik mai, disli mai, dimaliach mai, hechin mashma tibae. A question to Rav Asher is, what if you use these passive formulas, that which is pickled, that which is pot roasted, that which is fire roasted, that which is salted, uh, is that the in, in, in expansive formula or limited formula? Uh, we don't know. We leave it unresolved. Remember, Tiba'e in Masechet Nedarim is the same as Teko in most other Masechtot. Another Mishnah. Min hasali en asur ela min hasali shel basar. When you say barbecued, then you typically mean meat. That's usually what you're going to barbecue. But if you use more expansive formula, uh, uh, barbecue, that I will taste by adding that word. Siminasli uh, is from that which is barbecued, more, is more limited. Anything I taste that is barbecued, then that will include other things. Sometimes you barbecue pineapple. It's delicious. Or onions. Uh, if you um, say that which is from that which is salted, I prohibit myself. That only includes salted fish. That's usually what you salt. Like, um, you know, maybe smoked um, uh, uh, salmon and things like that. Very uh, salty. They put that to uh, put salt to preserve it. Whereas if he says anything salted that I will um, taste, then anything that's salted would be prohibited. Dag dagim shani toem. If someone says fish, fishes that I will eat. Some say he says both of these words. Dag dagim. But more likely it means either dag or dagim. Either way, if he says uh, any uh, uh, fish or fishes that I will eat, and I w- he prohibits himself, that prohibits both big fish and small little sardines, whether they're salted or not salted, doesn't mean live, uh, but rather raw or cooked, uh, so all these are, pro- are prohibited, all these types of fish and ways that they are uh, prepared, but he is permitted to have minced sardines and uh, uh, and to have fish brine. 
that's minced, and besied is fish brine, because that's not included in the word fish. That's just like, you know, juice and bits and pieces. Uh, he doesn't mean that. That's permitted. Someone says, I'm not going to have a sachana. Uh, this is some kind of dish of whole and chopped fish together. Then, then he cannot have not whole fish and not even minced sardines. But he can have the brine and fish gravy. Because um, uh, that's not included in that term. He says, I'm not going to have tarituruva, I'm not going to have minced sardines. Then asur besir ubemorias, then he cannot have the fish brine and gravy either because the fish brine and gravy are have little pieces of um, sardines in them and that therefore that would violate the minced sardines statement. All right, now more about fish. Tanya Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon ben Azaromer, Dag shani toem asubigedolim umutar beketanim. The word dag, he says, refers to large fish. And so then he would only be prohibited from large fish, but can still eat small fish. But if he says daga shani toem asubigedolim umutar begedolim, then he'd be prohibited from small ones, but permitted from big ones. Uh, like in English, if you say fishy, right? Uh, look at the fishies. That usually talking about small ones. So the daga, the extra hair being a uh, diminutive, small ones only. Now dag daga If he says both words dag and daga, then the he will be prohibited from both the big ones and the small ones. That is a braita. So he asked about this. How does he, how does it be Shimon ben Lazar know that the word dag is referring to only a big fish? Well, look at Jonah. It says Hashem uh, 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 appointed a large fish to swallow Jonah. Obviously, it has to be quite large that Jonah could fit comfortably inside. And that's uh, that says the word dag only. Hold on, that's not a good proof. Pray to Hashem from inside the daga, and you said daga is a small fish, but he's in the same fish, the same large fish, and yet it calls it daga. So this is a problem. It seems that dag and daga are used interchangeably here. Halakashia, I know we can answer this. Listen to this one. Dilma pelate dagadol ubelae dagkatan. Maybe first Yona was in a big fish, and then he spit him out, and and uh, and uh, a small fish then swallowed him. Why would that be? Well, maybe the big fish was too comfortable, and Yona's like, yeah, this is fantastic in here, right? I could stay in here all day, and so he wasn't praying, and so we had to downsize him uh, so that he would be smushed, and then he would say, I gotta get out of here, and only then Why do you pray? Oh, because he was in Daga in the small fish. All right, so we got out of that one, um, uh, but not for long. In um, the uh, Makkah of, uh, of uh, blood, it says that all the, the fish in the Nile died. Wait a second, only the small ones, because it says Daga, and the big fish didn't die? They were totally fine, swimming in blood? That doesn't make sense. Really, the word Daga means big and small, and so these words are used interchangeably in the Tanakh.
However, but if you go around and do a survey in our own time, in the, the time of the Tanaim, and you, you see people use the word dag to refer more to big fish and daga to small fish. And therefore, for nedarim, we don't go by the biblical definitions, but rather by the common definitions in the time and place that you are. Okay, we mentioned the Mishnah that we say sachana, this uh, combination dish of uh, large and, uh, and, and, and pieces of fish. Uh, you're prohibited from all those pieces of fish and even the brine and the gravy. What about the word sichin? Is sikhin the same as sakhna or is this a slightly different word and means something different? My tiba we left we leave this question unresolved like a teku. Baruch Adonai Lulam Amen Vame.